Well, good to have you here today. Um, we're going to speak on, everybody say with me, Rosh Hashanah. That's how you say it in, um, in Hebrew. Uh, the, one of the high holidays that they celebrate this weekend. And here uh, on this table, you can come and look later, but some of the things I collected when I went to Israel in 2013 and uh, including um, an oil lamp and a vessel, oil lamp and a light. Um, the lamp, you know, would have a wick. It would be filled with oil, and that's from the time of Jesus. And I, and I got that in 2013, and I believe two years later, Brother Wayne bought me one as well, which is sitting right next to it, both of them with certificates of authenticity. Uh, they're Herodian, which means they're from the time of Jesus, uh, there's some from the time before the Lord. There's some from years after that. Uh, but, and also the uh, shofar. It's called a shofar, not a shofar, but the shofar, which is a ram's horn, which is the trumpet that will sound when we're all looking to go to heaven. Amen? The rapture, the Bible tells us in First Thessalon Thessalonians chapter 4, there will be a rapture trumpet sounding. How many are looking forward to that? Whether we're here when that happens, but it'll be a ram's horn, believe it or not. You know, we, we tend to think of our modern-day musical instruments, you know. Uh, I picture my, my nephew, Robert, blowing his trumpet. There it is, and we're all going to go up to heaven. But it's going to be a, a chauffeur, so I look forward to that day. Amen? Amen, and I hope you do too. So, so what is Rosh Hashanah? Uh, does anybody know? Just raise your hand if you know what that is. Uh, and why I'm speaking on that today, I'll, I'll explain that as well. But it's known as the Feast of Trumpets. This is one of the high holidays of the Jewish faith. And today, we know that Judaism, Judaism is the, is the name of the Hebrew religion, the Jewish faith. It's Judaism. Christianity, which you and I belong to, is the faith or those that follow Jesus Christ. And we as Judeo-Christians have been grafted into the original tree, which is Judaism, through what Jesus came and accomplished on this earth. That's why we are known as Judeo-Christians. That's why we can follow and believe and, and read the Old Testament, Genesis, you know, Exodus, and so forth, as well as the New Testament. We're Judeo-Christians. Amen? Everybody say amen to that, because that's, that's our belief. Um, Jesus Christ came to bring us Christianity, which we follow to this day. And we've been grafted into this faith and have been made partakers of the promise and inherit salvation because of that. And because of this, we can and should celebrate days like this. I remember the first time we did this was at the school. Uh, how many remember that, that were with us? Uh, and uh, I had the prayer shawl. It's actually sitting right there uh, somewhere. It's underneath it's actually on the table. It's hanging down with the little strings. And that's what the rabbis would wear. And I'll get into that as they're praying. Um, and then they would blow the, sh uh, the shofar. And uh, I remember we did that. And we, we actually marched around the, the room, the building there that time. We had a great time. But Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. It's, it's actually a time of new beginnings. And how many are thankful for a new beginning, for a second chance, a third chance? Those are all opportunities for new beginnings. Where would you and I be without a new beginning? 
We'd be stuck in the past being the same old cranky person that nobody wanted to hang with, right? And thank God for forgiveness. Thank God that he gives us and allows us to have a new beginning. And the Jewish faith would celebrate this. Every year at this time of the year, they celebrate Rosh Hashanah. And it is celebrated by blowing the shofar. So it's also known and celebrated as the Day of Remembrance. On this day, people, uh, the Jewish people commemorate the creation of the world. The very first uh, days in Genesis where, where God himself, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last, uh, created this world that you and I live in. And they, re they recall the responsibilities of being God's chosen people. See, God didn't just create you for you to exist. He created you so that, and he gave you a purpose in life. He gave you a purpose to exist and, and to uh, spread the word of God to those around you. Amen? And in the Jewish faith, celebrating Rosh Hashanah for the next 10 days would be days of repentance. So they would be recalling things and, and repenting of things. And it would lead to another high holiday called Yom Kippur, which is also known as the Day of Atonement. And many of you are familiar with that as well, where the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies in the temple and present a, a blood offering on the mercy seat. He would sprinkle blood on there for the forgiveness of the sins of Israel back then. Of course, now we know who the high priest is now, Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the Lamb of God slain for all sinners. Amen. So here's the other thing I want to point out real quickly, though. Rosh Hashanah is not celebrated like your typical New Year's Day celebration here in our modern-day culture. There's no ball that's going to fall down from New York, okay? They don't celebrate it like that. It's more of a holy and solemn event, amen? And, and I want to have you turn to Leviticus, in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapter 23. If not, it's in your outline that you've been given. If you don't have one, raise your hand. One will be given to you. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 24 through 25. And this is, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says it this way. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. This is really the beginning of what was now celebrated as Rosh Hashanah. And um, we have the shofar here, the, the shofar to blow. And here's what I want you to, to realize. The trumpets mentioned in this passage are describing that instrument right there. When I went to Israel, they, they have them everywhere for sale because all the pilgrims as we're known those of us believers that go to Israel to visit the Holy Land where they call you pilgrims everywhere you go welcome pilgrims and um, they may not believe in Jesus Christ which they don't but they're willing to sell you all their wares they're willing to sell you everything that you that you see on that table but again the the sounding of the shofar has been a memorial for the Jewish people of God's faithfulness to Abraham. How many remember the story of the, the sacrifice of Isaac and, and Abraham going up to the mountain 
And, and God spoke to Abraham and said, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Isaac didn't know this. Isaac went as a willing subject up to the mountain. He carried, they carried the wood on, on the donkey. They went up. They carried a knife. And uh, finally they get up there and Isaac's looking over at his dad going, okay, uh, we got the fire. We got everything going. Where's the sacrifice? And how many remember Abraham said, God will provide the sacrifice. Do you know that God will provide everything in your life if you trust him for it? If you trust him? Many of us try to make it happen ourselves. And, and they could have done that same thing. But just as Isaac went and, and was bound, he actually went and, and actually was put on this, this bed and, and about to be sacrificed. The Bible says that Abraham even went up to raise a knife. And the Lord stopped them. And at that moment... He prepared a ram that was stuck there, the Bible says, in a thicket, in a, in a brush. And that ram is a reminder of the sacrifice of what God has provided for you and I. And that's part of why the Jewish faith celebrates it with the shofar. Amen? So it's been a, the, the sounding of the shofar has been a memorial for the Jewish people over the years. Any, have, have, has anybody ever heard it outside of church? Have, has anybody ever heard that blowing anywhere? Okay. Very few people, unless you go to a synagogue, you're not going to hear it. But it's a beautiful sound when you can play it. <laughs> it's a beautiful sound. And again, the blowing of the, of the sh shofar is to the Jewish people a call to come home. It's kind of like when I, I, I smell beautiful, warm flour tortillas just cooked. On, you know, it's a call to come home. Uh, with some butter on there, oh, goodness, right there. So, as I mentioned, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, one day there's going to be an angel that's going to sound a trumpet, the Bible says, and it's going to be a, a chauffeur, and he's going to blow it, and that's called the rapture, and the, and the church of God is going to be called, amen? And uh, that's, that's a great moment in time that's been prophesied here and declared for, for over 2,000 years. So for the next few moments, this is what I want to speak on today regarding this holiday. I want to speak on three important words. There's a prayer, and I'm not going to recite the prayer because, number one, I don't speak Hebrew. I, I do know some certain words. But it mentions three important words in this prayer. And I want to touch on the meaning of those three important words and how they apply to you and I here today in 2023. Amen? And, and these words are teshuva, tefillah, and uh, uh, shedaka, sorry, shedaka. They almost sound similar to Spanish words, but um, the first one is teshuva. The English translation means repentance. You have the word up here behind me on the screen. The, the word means repentance. And you and I know repentance is, is to be um, sorry for your sins, sorry for your state, and asking for forgiveness. That's repentance, is being sorry for what you did, not just being caught or uh, just having some little bit of remorse, but it's complete remorse. And uh, that's what repentance means. But we know that Repentance, again, is not just sorry for your actions, but it's actually turning around 
and marching in the opposite direction. It's making a U-turn is what the word repentance means. And that's what you and I have done as believers. You may have been walking one way and you've made a U-turn. That word is repentance. You've repented and are now, are now marching to a different beat, to a dr different drummer. And that drummer is Jesus Christ. Amen. So we all know that, that that's what it means. But the source of this word, teshuva, actually goes deeper than just repentance. It means to return, to return to yourself, to return to the person that God created. You know, you and I today are results of what society has conditioned you to believe and think. You and I are products of that, every single one of you here today. But God had a plan for you, amen? God has a purpose in creating you. You're not here by accident. You're not here with the people that you are with by accident. There's an eternal plan, an eternal destiny in that. And God, in this word, teshuva, is wanting you to return to the person that God created you to be. And I, and I say that because far too many of us try to be somebody that we're not. We try to, especially as young people, they're trying to identify and find their identity, right? They're trying to discover who I am. Where do I fit? How, how do, where do I fit? Where, and, and so on and so forth. And that can be a very troubling time for young people. Even as you get older, it doesn't just end with young people. It goes on. You can be in your 60s and still not figure it out. But God wants you to return to the person he created you to be. One, as I just mentioned, ills of this society are that people are lost. They don't know who they are. We see that in our, in our day and generation. We've got males that think they're females, and we've got females that think they're males. Uh, that was never God's plan to be confused on that. Amen? If there was ever a time to return to the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, it's now. Our loving Father wants to embrace every one of you in his arms and just telling you, I created you with a plan, with a purpose. I have a plan for you. And I don't want to hurt you. I don't, I don't want you to be confused about your life. But here's the problem. This world will squeeze every bit of love that God gives you out of you if you allow that to happen. Uh, there's a scripture found in the book of Revelation, Revelations chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5. And this is out of the New American Standard Bible version, but listen to these words. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Here, the Lord is talking about the love being your love for Him, the love for God. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Again, repentance is a theme we see throughout the Bible. The Lord is calling all of us back to the place where he's called you to originally. You may not have figured it out until your 20s or your 30s or your 50s or your 60s of the plan that God has for your life. But ultimately, just as, just as the salmon swim back to where they were hatched, where they were born, we as believers, there's something inside of every spiritual being 
that longs to know what else is out there. Lord, there has to be more to life than just this. And that's when the Lord reveals himself to you. But if you keep those doors closed, he'll never reveal himself to you. Never. And as you open up, he makes it, by faith, he makes it able to be understood. Amen? And so, again, the Lord wants us to repent and come to him. So, Lord, help us to walk in daily repentance. Because why? None of us are perfect. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says. Every day, you and I, you may not say it. You may not do it, but you thought it. And it, the, according to the Word of God, it's just as bad. If you thought it, Lord, forgive me. I, I, I had this terrible thought right now. Please forgive me of that. And it's that simple. The Bible says God is just and able to forgive you of all your sins. Amen? And there's no reason for you to live in confusion, in condemnation, in fear, and in anxiety. Amen? So that's the first word. The second word is tefillah. And I had a grandma, Fina. It's kind of close to it, but tefillah, which means prayer. Prayer. Prayer is not just giving God your requests. How many of us rush into prayer? We say, oh Lord, give me. Give me. Give me this. Give me that. We, and that's a huge mistake. I, I've taught you over and over. There's a way to enter into God's presence. The Bible in the book of Psalms says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Yes. You begin to thank him. Thank him for what? Thank him for life. You woke up today. There's many people today that did not wake up. Thank him for life. Thank him for the very breath of life that, that you're able to breathe, the oxygen you're able to breathe into your, into your lungs. Begin, and then the Bible says, enter into his courts with? With praise. Exactly. And you begin to praise him for who he is. I praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness towards me. I praise you for your faithfulness towards me. You've never let me down. And on and on and on. Then the Bible says you can enter into his presence and present your petitions, your requests. God is not a Santa Claus or a genie in a bottle. Amen? He's not somebody you just come up and say, Lord, I need this. And sometimes in the middle of a bad day, that's what we all feel like doing is, Lord, I need you to get rid of that. Get rid of this and give me that or give me this. And we all, let's be honest, we all feel like saying that, but there is a process. Amen? And so the word tefillah is prayer. The word tefillah in the Jewish faith actually means to have a connection, a personal deep relationship with Almighty God. And that is beautiful because as believers in Christ, that's exactly what the Bible teaches you and I to have. When we're praying, we're not praying to an empty God that doesn't hear us. There are intimate moments. Just like you can have an intimate moment with your spouse, there are intimate moments that you have with God Almighty. And if you've never experienced that, I'm sorry, but you are missing out on what God created for you to enjoy, which is intimacy with Him. You see, prayers for a believer are the most precious moments you can spend with God Almighty. How many here have ever seen the, the Christian movie War Room? And it's not about war. You'd think, War Room, it's about military and war. No, it's about spiritual fighting. If you have not seen that, you need to see it. 
because it's, it speaks on prayer and the power of prayer. And I guarantee you, if you see it, it will change the way you look at prayer. Amen? So it's a blessing to know, and I, and I have felt this for years now, it's a blessing to know that I no longer have to go through a priest for either forgiveness or for him to pray for me. Why is that man any more special than you and I? He isn't. You and I have direct access to the throne of God. Amen? We don't have to uh, pick up a phone and say, hey, can you pray for me? You can go directly to the throne. And that's the beauty of this. We have access to the throne of, uh, of the King of Kings, of the Lord of Lords, of the Alpha and Omega, the, the, the first and the last, the bright and morning star, the great I Am. We have access to Him. But how many of us take advantage of that on a daily basis, every morning, start your day off like that? Lord, I need your help today. You know, after you enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. When I was in Israel in 2013, which was 10 years ago, I had the honor and privilege to pray at the most holy site in Israel, uh, according to the Jewish faith, uh, which is known as the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And I don't have a picture of it here, but it's on these uh, long map here, this panoramic map. It, you'll see the Golden Dome, which is the Muslim Dome of the Rock, and that's controlled by the Muslim faith, which is really crazy because when you think about it, that's where the Temple Mount was. That's where the actual temple existed, the Jewish temple, where Jesus would go and preach where Jesus would go and worship it was right there anyways that got torn down but right below it the remaining last part of that temple is this wall it's called the great wall uh, the western wall the wailing wall excuse me and it's where you see pictures of the Jewish rabbis with their their holy prayer shawls and they're all bowing like this and they're all praying and so we got a chance to pray. And those of you that were part of the church in 2013, raise your hands again. There were some of you here, and there were many others uh, that aren't here today. But I wrote your names down on that 19-hour trip over there. Uh, and so I wrote your names down. And what you do when you go to the wall is you stick the petitions in the wall, the prayers for your families. Every one of my family's members' name is written and put in that wall. Every one of my church member family's name was written and placed in that wall at that time. But my point in saying that is um, the Jewish rabbis were speaking in Hebrew and they're praying, they're, 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 they're reading out of the Torah and they're praying and reciting prayers in their language. And then I, I heard English, obviously with the people I was with. I heard Spanish. I heard Russian, I heard German, I heard Italian. I had my own upper room experience right there on the day of Pentecost, right there at the Wailing Wall, because everybody that comes is praying in their own language. And it was a beautiful thing to behold, to, to see that we can all have commonality, we can come together as one people, amen? And that's exactly what the Lord wants you and I to experience. That, that oneness that we felt there, he wants you to experience that oneness with him through prayer. Everyone praying to the Father who was listening individually to each prayer. It was beautiful. And you'll see pictures of that here. In fact, there's a, 
there's a, there's a lens thing. You just pick it up and you look at it. If you haven't seen it, it's right in the middle. And you can see, when you glance through it, the wailing wall and the people praying right there. And it comes alive as you look in that. So I, I challenge you to go look at that after service here. But here's the thing. Not only does our Father in Heaven desire a personal relationship with you, but He wants to grant you the desires of your heart. How many know that? He wants to grant you the desires of your heart. All of you have desires. Every single one of us. And I want you to take a look at the following passage with me found in 1 John chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15. The Apostle John wrote this. Listen to these words. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything, everybody say anything, according to His will. Did you catch that? According to whose will? His will. According to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have, ha we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. So here's the important thing to know. Whatever we ask according to His will. Well, how do you know what His will is? Read the Word, and you'll find out what the will is for your life, for your prayer. Amen? You can't just be coming, Lord, help me win that super lotto this week. It's like almost a billion dollars. No. Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Really? Seriously? Come on. Amen. Let me give you an example of what, what it's talking about here, but how we can boldly come. When I, when I go to my mom and dad's house, I don't ask for permission. I just open the refrigerator, and I help myself to some bottled waters or Cokes and whatever they have. They always have it stocked up with sodas and waters because they always have their kids coming over and their grandkids, and so it's always stocked up. And if there's flour tortillas there, I'm going to grab one. I didn't ask for permission. I'm just going to grab one. And I know my mom doesn't make them like she used to, but back in the day, I would not be ashamed. I had no shame in my game. I would just go roll one up, right, Reuben? Put some of that butter on there, and away you go. That's because I could boldly go into my mom and dad's house. I had no problem with that. Amen? And in the same way, your Father in heaven has that and desires to have that same relationship with you and I that you can boldly come to Him. You see... Going back to this passage that we just read, if we can put it back up on the screen, two words I want to look at. I want to point out something extremely important. Asking is part of praying, amen? Asking is part of praying. This means there's nothing wrong with asking if it's according to the will of God. Now, good, I'm glad you have that up there. The treasure in this passage is found in the word ask. The original Greek the word is aiteo, and the word aiteo means to be adamant in requesting, even demanding assistance in meeting tangible needs such as food, such as shelter, such as money, and so forth. The things that are required to live. You know, the Bible says God's people don't go begging for bread. He's never seen anybody begging for bread. That means that God is going to take care of every one of your needs. If you need a, a transportation, he's going to provide transportation for you. If you need shelter, he's going to provide shelter for you, and so forth and so on. He didn't say he's going to bless you and make you a billionaire. He said he's going to provide for you, amen? 
So get that thought out of your head, okay? Um, so here's what I also want to remind you, though. As children of the king, we must be respectful. You don't go in to your mom and dad's house, and much less God's house, and demand anything. You must do it respectfully, amen? Um, we must never be rude about what we ask for in the presence of the king. Can you imagine yourself being rude to the local mayor here? Mayor Leon Garcia, or the governor, or the president, whether you like them or not, there's protocols, and there's a way to enter into their presence. So we have to be respectful, but the, the, the word there says that you have the right to demand that God take care of every one of your needs. Amen? The second word in there is petition. If you look at that at the bottom there, that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. The word petition here is the Greek word itima. This word, listen to this, denotes a specific, exact, explicit, pre precise, detailed request. Wow. This request is so in-depth, so comprehensive, that there's no misunderstanding the request. Kind of like how we should all speak to each other if we're husband and wife, right? But we don't, because we're husbands are going like, well, what did she mean? What did she say? But our petitions to the Lord should be so specific. And that's where, where I'm getting at here with this illustration. I've said this here a million times, maybe not a million times. I've prayed for Anna. Before I got married, I prayed. I wrote a list down. I said, Lord, I want a wife this tall. I want her, um, somebody that loves the Lord, somebody that sings. I mean, I was specific. I was specific. I wrote it down. I laid my hands on it. I prayed for it. And sure enough, about a year after I prayed that prayer, I, ha I kept that. And who comes into my life on a, on a Wednesday night in October, October 10th of 1993? I'm not keeping track of these things, but Anna does. And before that, in, in 1992, I prayed for a home. I was praying, where can my son and my daughter go move? I hadn't met Anna yet. I was single dad. And uh, I prayed for a two-bedroom, one-bath house. It had to be yellow with white trim. And it had to have a white picket fence. And it had to have a big yard for a dog. Because I, I was going to get a dog. I didn't have a dog at that moment. And what did God give me? A yellow house with white trim, two bedroom, one bath, with a white picket fence and a big backyard for a dog. The same thing with the house we're living at, which we prayed for. We prayed for so that we could use it for ministry. Our church has been to our house, I want to say a hundred times, to our house to do ministry. We've had potlucks. We've had Valentine's Day banquets. We've had Bible studies, movie nights. We've, we've had it for many, many um, occurrences for many reasons, but we laid it all down. We wanted a four-bedroom house, two bath, RV access with a fireplace, open floor plan, and all just turnkey where we didn't have to do nothing to it. And I didn't know how we were going to be able to afford that, but we laid hands on it, we prayed for it, and God gave that house to us seven years ago, eight years ago here in Vallejo. What is the petition that you're asking God for? Are you being specific? Are you being so exact that there is no way that it could be confused? That's what I'm asking you today. Are you being specific? 
Or are you just praying general prayers? God, I pray you bless that person today. What does that mean? What does that mean? God, help me to be successful. What does that mean? Those are so general that if you shot an arrow, you wouldn't know if you hit it, the target or not, because they're so general. You have to be specific in your prayers. If there's ever anything you get from hearing Pastor Rick, when I'm long gone, it's just know this, that he taught me that you have to pray specific prayers. Amen? So again, here's what I want you to look at. Hebrews chapter 4, this scripture here, which gives you and I the right to go to God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What this scripture is telling you and I, that you and I as believers can come boldly. We can come up and say, Lord of lords, King of kings, here I am. This is your son. I have served you for 30 years. I've served you, served you for 50 years. I've served you. I've been faithful. Lord, I need your help in this matter. I need your blessing in this matter. And then be specific. Lay it out. Amen? The Bible says be bold. Don't just say, oh, well, Lord, you know, it's me. It's me. You, you remember me. I, 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 you know, I was born in Rutherford, that little, little town. You probably never even heard of it. Um, yeah, um, I was thinking, no, don't go, don't, don't go there. Be bold, amen? Everybody say, be bold. You're bold with one another sometimes. Amen, right? Let's be bold with God. God gives you that authority to be bold in his presence. Again, not rude, but be bold, be respectful, and God will grant you the desires of your heart. The third word is shadaka. Everybody say shadaka. Yeah. I think of the old singer Neil Sadaka way back when, and everybody under 50 is going like, what? The word in Hebrew means charity. Charity, which is to do something above the call of duty. Something above the call of duty. Being charitable. You know, we can be nice and, and feed the homeless person on the corner that's begging for food. I try not to give them money, but we will bless them with food. Um, you can be nice. That's being charitable. Helping those that are in need around you. But the Hebrew meaning here goes beyond just being charitable. Listen to this. It means just. Everybody say just. And just means it's the right thing to do. I mean, you know there's a big difference between being charitable and being just and doing the right thing. The right thing isn't always the easy thing. I know that. And so here's what, what the Lord is, is challenging us today you see, as believers, we should be concerned for the justice in our world today, in our society today. All we do is open up social media and we see all the crime going on around us, your next door app, your Instagram, your Facebook, whatever it is, your news, whatever you look at, and all you're hearing is bad, bad news, bad reports everywhere. Everything you do and look at, it's all bad reports. And as believers, you and I should be striving to make a difference in this world, to, to find justice, to be able to do the right thing, to achieve justice, and to view it as God 
understands it and views it. Amen? But God is merciful. How many are thankful for that? God is merciful. Scripture tells us that he's a just God who will judge injustice and all wrong things going on here in this world. Some of you may be thinking, well, they're getting away with all this. They're getting away with something. They're getting over on something. No, nobody gets away with anything. In the end, there will be judgment. There will be a judgment. See, God sees all. Uh, nothing is ever hidden from the Lord. There is no secrets from the Lord. There is nothing done in darkness that he cannot see. And as, as God sees our hearts and our minds, he'll judge us. That's why I always say, if, if you said it or if you thought it, ask him to forgive you. And if it was wrong, Lord, forgive me for thinking that. But as believers, we need to stand up to the injustice that's going on around us and in our society with our words and with our actions. Empty words are empty words, but with actions follows justice. Amen? I want to have another scripture as I get ready to close here today, but it's found in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 3. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 3. Listen to this. It says, To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. The Lord views things that are just. He esteems things that are just. Doing the right thing when nobody's looking, right? Which we all know is, is integrity and so forth. So again, as I close today, the themes of Rosh Hashanah express and challenge each of you today to do the following. First of all, teshuva, to come back to self, to return to the person God created you to be. Don't lose sight of who God created you to be. You're a, you're a child of the king, amen? The second word was tefillah, to have a connection, a deep personal relationship with Almighty God. Why wouldn't you not desire to have a deep relationship with the creator of this world, of this universe, of this galaxy, of, and on and on and on? He created and put everything into motion. And he wants to, and he desires to have a deep personal relationship with each of you. And the last one was Sadaka, to be just in this world filled with injustice. To love others with our words, not just with our actions. Or to love others with, with both words and actions. Amen? Not just with your words. Words can be empty sometimes, but actions speak louder. So I want you to take those outlines home today. I want you to look at those three words. And I want you to focus on those for the next week. And see what areas of your life that you can work on to develop a closer, deeper relationship with God. Won't you stand with me as, as we close today? And by the way, if you're uh, not doing anything later this afternoon, you're all invited to go to the next church where I'm going to be preaching in Fairfield. It starts at 5 o'clock. It's called Fire People Church. And the girls have done worship there before. Uh, I'm going to speak there today. I'm actually going to preach the same message. And they're going to have a uh, traditional Jewish uh, food feast celebration afterwards. So if you want the address, let me know or let my daughters know and uh, my wife know and we'll give you the address there. But it's called Fire People Church. Amen. Let's bow our heads today and 
Let's ask the Lord to hear our prayer. Father, today we love you and we thank you. We thank you, first of all, that you first loved us. The Bible says you first loved us. You knew us and knit us in our mother's womb, the scriptures say. That is why life is so precious. You love every child in here, all the way to the oldest adult in this room. And part of that plan is that we would have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with you. And my prayer today for everyone here is that we would develop that relationship. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen one by praying once. It's a continual prayer and praying of daily prayers, daily devotion to God, and trusting Him by faith to meet your needs, just like He has my needs, just like He's met a lot of your needs and provided healing to some of you here today. You have been healed by Almighty God in your bodies. And we give you thanks for that, Lord. We thank you for loving us, for being faithful to us. Lord, my prayer again is that you would bless each one with a deep relationship with you. May they long to know you. May they wake up every morning with a burning desire to seek your face. As they read your word, that it would become alive in their spirits. That you would speak to them and give them direction for their daily life. That not only direction would be provided, but that you would meet every need in their life. From the smallest detail to the largest thing in their life whether it would be expenses, finances, Lord, whether it would be health in their body, health in their spirit, in their minds, Lord. I pray for that right now in the name of Jesus. God, make yourself real like never before. Bring healing to each and every person here today in an intimate way like never before. And Father, we're so forever grateful for what you're doing, and we give you thanks and we give you praise today in the mighty name of Jesus. And before we close, there were a few hands lifted up. How many have a prayer need? How many know somebody that needs a touch in their body? Just raise your hand. You don't have to say anything. Hands lifted up all around here. So we're going to go to the Lord, and the Lord knows exactly. The Lord knows exactly what's going on. Father, you see the hands lifted up today. And, Lord, we trust you, Lord that by faith you are going to bring an answer, a resolution to each one of these scenarios. Each hand that was raised represents a person, a circumstance, and we pray your healing. We pray divine touch. We pray divine, miraculous healing, Father, upon those that need a touch in their bodies. We pray for divine, miraculous uh, scenarios to take place, whether it's in finances, whether it's in relationships. Father, whatever it may be, it, it may be in the job place. We pray for those right now. Whatever that need is right now, we pray for them. In the name of Jesus, we come boldly to your throne and we ask you, Father, bring healing, bring resolution in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. And as always, we give you praise 
in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And one more time, just lift your hands as we pray the blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday. You're welcome to come up here and check out some of the things up here if you haven't already. God bless you. And we'll see you next Sunday, if not on Wednesday, on uh, Zoom. God bless you all.